0: This is Howard Anderson of Information Security Media Group. We're talking today with attorney Devin McGraw, Director of the Health Privacy Project at the Center for Democracy and Technology. Thanks so much for joining us today, Devin. We want to talk today about the details of the HITECH Act's Breach Notification Rule, which requires healthcare organizations and their business associates to report information breaches. So for starters, how does the rule define the term breach?
1: Well, it's actually um, a pretty broad definition of breach. It's, it's far beyond what people customarily think of in terms of breach, and that usually when you say the word breach, people think of uh, a security breach. Someone hacking into a system from the outside is a common example, or somebody breaching from the inside, meaning that's an employee, but they're accessing a record that they're not supposed to. But the new definition of REACH that Congress enacted um, a little over a year ago is much broader and is basically any unauthorized access, use, or disclosure of protected health information in a way that compromises the privacy and security of that information, which has been interpreted to mean that the breach actually poses a significant risk of harm to the individual who is the subject of the information. And so essentially, any time information, even internally, is used in a way that either isn't expressly authorized by the patient or isn't otherwise authorized by law, that constitutes a breach. And so some people have, in shorthand, said, that a HIPAA violation from this point forward is essentially a breach, and I think they're right. If information is used in a way that isn't isn't permitted, even if it's internal, um, it's still considered a breach, and it's potentially reportable to the patient and to government authorities if if it rises to the level of posing a risk of harm.
0: Okay, along those lines, the the rule allows healthcare organizations to determine whether a yeah. particular data security breach represents significant risk and thus needs to be reported. So what constitutes significant risk, and how can that risk be measured? That's the question.
1: Yeah, it's a big question, and I'm not sure that question was very well answered by the regulators when they established the standard uh, in the rule just this past summer, and that's actually one of the things that we raised in comments. It's it's basically a standardless standard and really puts the burden on the entities to try to figure out whether um, a particular breach might be harmful to an individual, and sometimes those cases are easy. if part of the data that got breached is a social security number or credit card information, you know, that clearly raises a risk of um, financial or medical identity theft. And so I think there there are a few organizations that would disagree that that, that where that's the type of data that's involved in the breach, that that raises a significant risk of harm. On the other hand, if you're talking about data that is health data and it's about a health condition, that's a trickier set of circumstances for an institution to decide, well, would that particular piece of health data be harmful to somebody? And, and harm is not just financial harm. It's, it's also reputational harm or this generic category called other harm, which, you know, I might want to define as, you know, harm to someone's dignity. So, you know, if the data is a diagnosis of, of AIDS, for example, I think people I think the institutions are clued in enough to know that most patients would be very unhappy if that data um, were in the hands of someone who didn't who didn't have a need for it to treat them. On the other hand, if it's a more benign health condition, like a cold or the flu, it's not entirely clear whether um, that data would be considered sensitive by a particular patient, and those judgment calls are going to be extremely difficult for organizations to accurately make because if they if they err on the wrong side of that and the patient finds out that in fact there was arguably a breach of data but the institution chose not to notify them because they decided that it didn't raise a significant risk of harm. you know, there's the the opportunity for second-guessing down the road. And so, you know, we certainly have recommended that there be a lot more clarity added to that standard and that instead of focusing on the more subjective question about whether a piece of data might cause somebody harm, that instead you look at whether the data was really compromised. What happened to the data basically? Did it did it as a part of a breach go outside of the institution? Did it get viewed by people who looked at it largely for curiosity or purient interest versus a legitimate need to know? You know, people generally don't want their neighbors to have information about their health conditions regardless. Of what conditions they are, and so we've suggested that HHS could add a lot more parameters to a standard and stay out of the area of of subjectivity of harm, and instead get to sort of more tangible questions about what happens to data in a breach and whether, in fact, uh, there was uh, it was compromised in a way that individuals ought to know about. The standard is significant risk of harm and, and quite frankly there's very little guidance to institutions today on how to navigate that and we're very hopeful that the regulators will provide some more clarity um, in future rulemakings.
0: The rule requires healthcare organizations to notify patients affected by a security breach of any size within 60 days. They also must notify the Department of Health and Human Services and the news media If the breach involves more than 500 individuals, please briefly explain how these notifications must be made.
1: Well, first of all, I want to say that um, the 60-day notification period is an outer limit. And in essence, the requirement to notify both the individual and the government authority attaches uh, is triggered by when when you find out about it, and you essentially have to notify people as soon as possible with an outer limit of 60 days. So it's actually quite possible that if you, in investigating the breach, complete your investigation within 10 days, but sit on it for another 50 days and wait Till the 60 days have passed, you would essentially be in violation of the rule. The 60 days was really intended to be—you need to start letting people know by this outer limit. But if you have information ahead of time, you need to let people know as soon as is 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 feasible. So I, I want to correct that because I think I think it's important for institutions to understand that that 60 days is not sort of written in stone. You you need to start notifying people when you know enough, i.e. there was a breach and it it compromised the data and it doesn't qualify for any of the exceptions. There are some exceptions um, that are in the statute and individuals ought to be notified and you gotta start notifying them. You can't can't wait for that 60-day period to be up. The statute and the regulations actually have some pretty clear Um, information about how that notification needs to occur, which is largely by certified mail unless the the patients um, or individuals whose data is compromised have indicated that they want to be notified by email. There are provisions for substitute notice if you don't have adequate contact information. The notification to the federal authorities is Actually, fairly straightforward, but if you have a breach of under 500, you still have to notify authorities, but you get to do so pursuant to an annual report. And there's also information in the regulations about the content of that notice and what type of information has to be in there. So um, it's actually a remarkably detailed set of provisions that was in the statute, and then the regulation goes into a little bit more detail. So there's not, you know, a whole lot that's left to discretion on the part of entities who are covered by the rule beyond figuring out whether you've got a breach in the first place.
0: The breach notification rule includes a safe harbor, which exempts organizations from reporting breaches if the information was encrypted in a specific way. Please describe the safe harbor's details and the implications for how hospitals and others should use encryption.
1: The the encryption standards that are in effect right now are the ones that the Department of Health and Human Services recognized officially, Uh, almost a year ago to the date. They can update them periodically, and I'm not sure whether they will this summer or not, but there are two of them, but essentially there's a specific encryption standard for data that is at rest, so when it's sitting on your server, for example, and another um, standard that applies when data is in motion such as when you are uh, disclosing it for um, a treatment purpose or payment or or healthcare operations. And if you use those standards to protect data at rest and data in motion, then even if you have a breach event, such as a hack, someone hacking into your server, or someone stealing a laptop, for example, if that data is encrypted using that standard, uh, which is, for, in both of those circumstances, is really the standard for data at rest. Then you don't have to notify, unless for some reason um, you learn that the encryption was compromised. Which you know w- would happen if you were sloppy and you encrypted data, but you made the key widely accessible, so that the hacker was able to both um, take possession of the laptop, for example, and then they also had the key because somebody wrote it on the back of the laptop, for example which would be completely dumb. And, and then with respect to encryption and motion, you know, this has to do with data that might be intercepted in transport. And if you've got it protected through that encryption standard, essentially you don't have to notify because, you know, the way that encryption works is that people can't really access the data. So they might get possession of the laptop, but they can't get the data inside of it if it's been encrypted. And, and what breach notification aims to address is harm to data, not harm to laptops. And so if you if you take the time to encrypt and you spend the money on encryption, you will save yourself a lot of money on the back end if you have a breach, and then you have to notify hundreds, if not hundreds of thousands of people. I know a lot of healthcare institutions have said to me, well, encryption um, is expensive, and it slows down the speed of transactions, which it does, but not to a huge degree. And so you'd have to think about where encryption makes sense and maybe in your emergency department where the data needs to be immediately accessible that makes little sense. But in terms of transporting, say, a prescription to a pharmacy where a 30 to 60 seconds of extra time means that you can encrypt that transport, then to me I'd look at what the cost of encryption is versus what the costs you're going to incur down the road in the event of a breach. I think... I'd be willing to bet that if you ask folks who have, you know, sort of recently experienced rather large-scale breaches, mostly through theft, if they wish they had encrypted the data on on those computers, I'll bet they'd say yes because they're paying now a lot to notify, much less the damage to their reputation um, because of the public disclosure of the breach, and they could have saved a lot if they had encrypted
0: The rule requires business associates to report breaches to their healthcare partners, which are called covered entities. Please define the term business associate and describe for us just just briefly their responsibilities under the rule.
1: Sure. Well, well, a business associate is essentially an uh, a, a person or an entity who receives protected health information from a an entity that's covered under under the HIPAA rules, which is a largely most of the entities that function in the healthcare system: your doctors, your hospitals, um, your health plans, business associates. Perform functions or services on behalf of covered entities and need to use or have access to protected health information in order to do that. And so, um, one example is the billing company that provides billing services to the physician. And so, of course, they're getting patient data all the time so that they can process and send claims to the insurance companies and get and process payment for the physician. So, that's a sort of really simple example of 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 a business associate. Other business associates include laboratories who receive labs and some patient data from physicians and then they process that lab and send the result back and that's that's a healthcare transaction that takes place with the covered entity sending information to a business associate at the lab and HIPAA obligations apply To that business associate, not directly because they're not directly covered, but they become looped in through their business associate agreement which binds them to complying with HIPAA. Now the, what the High Tech Act did a little more than a year ago, was to say that business associates can now be held accountable by government authorities for failing to comply with the terms of their business associate agreements and with HIPAA. And so they have to do that now, and they can be held both uh, criminally and civilly liable, whereas in the past, the most that could be done as for the covered entity to enforce the contract or hold the business associate accountable under a breach of contract action. So in the context of breach, of course, uh, you know, you could foresee that a business associate could experience a breach. That billing company that I talked about could have their systems hacked into as well, but since they don't have the relationships with the patients that the covered entities do, their obligation is not to notify the patient but to notify the uh, covered entity Um, and it's very tricky here because the 60 day outer limit for notification that time clock starts ticking when uh, as soon as the covered entity knows or reasonably should have known that the breach occurred and when the breach occurs at a business associate it gets tricky because the covered entity doesn't technically know about that breach until the business associate tells them. But if the business associate is perceived to be acting as an agent of the covered entity, which means they don't act so much independent of a covered entity, but it's almost, they're under so much control of the covered entity that it's almost as though they were employed by the covered entity, then the not, you know, when the breach occurs at that business associate, the covered entity is deemed To know, or is it, is essentially treated as though they should have known because they're under such control of the business associates operations that, that level of independence really isn't there. And it's, that's a very tricky question for covered entities and business associates because the law about when you sort of cross that line into being an independent operator performing a function on someone's behalf to acting really as their agent is a matter of common law and is largely a facts and circumstances test. So it's, it's very tricky. You know, I think that most covered entities are going to want to be very clear with their business associates about notification of a breach really as soon as the business associates thinks that it might occur- have occurred so that the covered entity can be involved in the assessment about whether in fact it meets the definition of a breach, does it qualify for any exceptions, does it, you know, does it have a significant risk of harm test, because ultimately the covered entity is responsible for doing the notifications, and so I, I don't know too many covered entities or- who are going to be terribly comfortable with letting the business associates make, make those determinations.
0: Okay. To wrap up, are there other legal requirements that healthcare organizations need to keep in mind as they prepare to comply with the breach
1: notification rule? I think the the most important message is don't wait until you have a breach before you plan for how you're going to deal with breaches, because these things are going to happen. I mean, even even in the best um, organizations that pay a lot of attention to data security and are very careful. Um, inevitably, things will occur. You can't control. You can't always control what's going on in the outside, and even within your own walls. You know, we we know from many news reports that employees, unfortunately, can be very curious and and stray into and look at records that they don't really have any business in. So it's going to happen, and you're going to be much better off if you have some very clear policies about who breaches get reported to and what happens if there's a suspected breach and who needs to be notified within the institution and who ultimately has the decision-making authority, and you document all of that every step of the way rather than waiting until a breach happens and then trying to pull together a responsive process on the fly. You really do only have 60 days, and that's not a lot of time to do an investigation, much less start notifying people. And then I think the other thing that I would say is consider encryption, because breaches will happen even when you're careful, and encryption is the only safe harbor that exists. And when you use it, you save yourself a lot of heartache, and and you, you lessen the potential that breach will occur in the first place. And if someone hacks into your system and they can't access your data, then, then it doesn't even, in many respects, it doesn't matter that they hacked in because it's, it's a very little consequence. You've got that data um, protected with a, with a strong set of protections.
0: Thanks, Devin. We've been talking with attorney Devin McGraw of the Center for Democracy and Technology. This is Howard Anderson of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.